you today? Hallelujah. Well, how is everybody? Good, good. Well, we're going to have, a, as I've said, a great time today. Uh, hopefully everybody, uh, you know, enjoyed the t-shirt uh, business. That was awesome. And we're going to get to the word now, though. And if you need an outline for the sermon, the ushers have one. If you maybe didn't get one on the way in, just raise your hand and they'll give you an outline to kind of follow along with. Um, but today we are on part three of our series called Mouth Control. And maybe you missed the first couple, but we are learning how to control our mouths. Because a lot of times our mouths can get us into a little bit of trouble, right? Maybe we say things that we later regret in the heat of the moment, or, or maybe as we saw the first week, uh, we're using our mouths to complain and be negative. And, and as we've seen, that, that doesn't get you anywhere. We saw how the Israelites took an 11-day walk and turned it into a 40-year wandering in the wilderness. And of course, that's not God's original plan. That's not what he wanted to happen, but it did happen, and their words led them there. So it wasn't their weakness that kept them out of the promised land. They got there. You know, Moses got them there. And their words, their fear kept them out. It wasn't because they were weak. And so this week, we're going to actually look at, uh, this will be my favorite part of it, uh, kind of the good part of it, okay? We've seen that your mouth can either curse or it can bless. This can be a, a bad thing, but it can be a really good thing if we use our words in the right direction. And so today we're going to focus on speaking to the mountains in our life. Now, is there anybody out there today that maybe you have faced a mountain or you currently are standing face to face with a mountain that's saying, no, you're not going to make it this time. You're not getting through me. Uh, this is it for you. If you're facing a mountain today, then today is for you. We're going to show you how to get past that sucker and get to the promised land that God has for you. And we're going to see some, just some things that have absolutely changed my life. I'm going to show you some Bible principles that do work if you'll apply them and if you'll do it God's way. You don't do it your way. You do it God's way. The battle is the Lord's. It's not your battle. It's the Lord's battle. You do it his way. You're going to win. All right. So let's go ahead and open up in prayer. And we're going to get into this message today. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, we thank you so much uh, that that you have overcome everything, God, and that you cause us to always triumph in Christ Jesus. So I pray today that as we open our hearts and our minds to your word, Lord, that you're going to speak to each person here. I pray that today is the day that we learn how to, to, how to get past these things that have held us back, how to get past these things that are telling us we aren't going to make it. Today is a day of victory through Jesus Christ. And we say that right now in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. All right. Well, what we're going to do is open our Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 11. So open up, yes, to Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at maybe some familiar verses to you here. Mark 11. And uh, we'll start out at verse 22. And, um, man, I, I love these in the King James right here. Mark 11. We're going to look at verse 22. And actually, uh, you know, we, these are some of our favorite verses. we got them right up here on the walls for you. So I want, we want these to be in front of your eyes all the time. Because if you, if you get these in your heart and you apply them and do it God's way, 
man, these can change your life. But Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And so we're going to break down these few verses here today. I mean, there are so many different ways you could go right here. One time somebody said to Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen, I've heard you preach several times. You must have ten sermons out of those three verses. He said, no, I don't. I've got about fifty. And, I mean, there's so much goodness wrapped up in these three verses. But we're going to break it down into three points today. And so the first thing is this. Number one, have Faith in God. Man, that, doesn't that sound like the most basic thing you could say to a Christian? I mean, it's almost like, why would you even say that? That's the most obvious thing in the world. But really, it's not. Really, it's not. So many times, you know, we're like, well, yeah, I've heard that. And yeah, I've got faith in God. But you don't know what I'm facing right now. And too many times, we take our focus off of God And honestly, if you want to break it down, our faith is more in the problem than it is in God. Because faith is belief. Faith is believing without seeing. And sometimes we believe the mountain, even though you can't physically see it anyway. You believe that more than you do God. You haven't seen the end of this story, but here you are. Well, I know I I have faith in God, but I mean, this is cancer. This this right here, this is divorce. This, This is just, I mean, this is financial ruin. Listen, you think God is afraid of, you, of, fine, of your financial situation? Absolutely not. You think God is afraid of the disease that you're dealing with? No. You think God's afraid of your marriage? No. You think God's afraid of your family situation? Absolutely not. Because no matter what it is you're facing, God has seen it before. There is no problem that you can present to God that's brand new to him and it's going to catch him off guard. He's not going to say, oh man, you know what, I've never seen anything like this. Jeanette is facing something, I don't know what we're going to do. You think God's up in heaven wringing his hands saying, oh my gosh, what's going to, I don't know man, oh Jesus, what are, no! He's seen it all, and he's conquered it all, and he's defeated every enemy that exists in this world. So listen to me. Have faith in God. Believe that he is able to do what he said he's going to do in your life. And so the question is, why did he say this to the disciples? Why did he say to these 12 men, have faith in God? Well, I'm going to show you why. We're going to read this whole story. So you're in Mark 11. Let's back up uh, here to verse 12. Verse 12. And, uh, And check this out. So there's a story that goes along with this. Mark 11, verse 12, it says this. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Now, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. And so Jesus speaks some words to this tree. 
And you're like, why would Jesus talk to a tree? Well, listen to me. This is a golden opportunity for Jesus to show these men and us a lesson on faith. And so he speaks to this tree, even though it wasn't the season for figs. You know, it's like, why are you mad at the tree, Jesus? It's not its fault. Well, Jesus is getting ready to show us something that has changed countless lives to the people that understand this. And so it says the disciples heard Jesus say this. And, they're, and you know, they're probably thinking, all right, I mean, I've seen Jesus do some stuff, and now he's talking to a tree. Okay. Okay, and so they, you know, they go about their business, but look down at verse 20. Okay, check out verse 20. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. This thing died overnight. The tree was completely healthy. The the previous day had a bunch of leaves on it, but no figs. Jesus speaks some words, and within 24 hours, the thing is straight dried up. From the roots, the, the thing died. And, and, and why is that? Well, let, let, let's keep looking here, okay? And so the thing died up, and, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so that's when Jesus dropped verse 22 on him. He says this, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you. And he goes in to this amazing teaching on faith. And so I can just picture Jesus saying this to the, to the disciples right here. Because listen, Jesus was not surprised that that tree died. That didn't catch, he was not surprised. Jesus didn't say, by golly, Peter, you're right. It died. Whoa. My God, I didn't see that coming. Wow. It actually worked. Oh my gosh, my faith worked. No. Jesus knew what was going to happen because he realized the power that lay in his words. When he spoke to a situation, he expected something to happen. And so this tree is kind of a, you know, a silly example. Why would he talk to the tree? He was using it for an example. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, we have example after example where somebody would bring a problem to Jesus and he would just speak to it. He'd say, go, your servant is healed. Just go. I don't even have to go and lay hands on him. Go, your son is raised. He's alive. Go, your daughter. The girl's not sleeping. You know, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Let it be done. And all of these times, you know, there's a lot of times Jesus did get down and pray. Okay, we see in Luke that he he withdrew to the wilderness often for prayer. But even more often, Jesus just merely spoke the word to the situation. And then Jesus in so many places tells us, you go and do the same thing I did. You know, he said in John, even greater works than I've done, you're going to do also. You just believe in my name. And so if we're following the example of Jesus, okay, there's, it's always the right thing to pray for a situation. But there comes a day where you stand up to the mountain and you speak the name of Jesus. And you say, I'm done. Be removed, be cast into the sea, in the name of Jesus, I am done with you. And there comes a point in time where you use your words to speak to the mountain. And that's what Jesus was showing these guys right here. So Jesus was not surprised that this tree died. He 100% expected this to happen. And, you know, he tells them, guys, listen, just have faith in God. Just, if anything, nothing else, just believe God. 
And what, what is faith? What is belief? It's trusting in something. And so Jesus, so many times, I, I've been going through this storm, I've been facing the mountain, and I'll just pull up in this simple little verse, Mark 11, 23, 22, and I just pull that open and remind myself, man, have faith in God. What's wrong with you? Have faith in God. Jesus is standing right here saying, man, just trust me, would you? I know it looks scary, but come on. Just trust me. I've got this. If you'll just do it my way, if you'll just let me have this, I got this. Just trust me. And so I want to encourage you today with whatever you're facing, have faith in God. Just trust Jesus. Don't take it into your own hands. Put it in Jesus' hands. Don't have faith in yourself. Jesus didn't say, have faith in yourself. And that's a problem that we see in our day and age so many times. And, you know, I, I've said it before, but I'm just not down with the phrase, set your mind to anything. Anything you put your mind to, you can do. I mean, yeah, the human mind and human will has accomplished many amazing things, but that's a flat-out lie. There will come a point in time where you've set your mind to something. You can't do it. I can set my mind all I want to to be the best basketball player in the world. But I tell you what, if I go up against LeBron, he's going to swap that stuff all day long. And I'm going to say, whoa, I set my mind to it. I put my mind to it for years that I could and, and I could beat LeBron. And listen, you'll eventually come up to something that your mind and willpower can't handle. Your mind can't beat disease. Your mind can't, you know, fix relationships. Your mind can't just bring in the, you know, the finances every single time. But I tell you who can, God Almighty. So why in the world do you trust in yourself? Why are you trying to figure it out? I don't need to figure my problems out when I've got faith in God. Like, hey, he'll handle it. He can figure it out. I'm just going to trust him. He's got this. So listen, give it to God. Believe him. Trust him. He can handle it. You can't handle it. All right, so uh, today I want to look, I want you to hold your place in Mark 11. We're coming back there all day. But I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 17. And 1 Samuel 17, if you're familiar, is the story of David and Goliath. Now, this right here, believe it or not, is an amazing story of speaking to the problems. Because all throughout this fight, David spoke to the giant. He threatened him. He spoke to him, and, and the giant spoke back. Sometimes the problems, they are yelling in your face saying, Listen, I am taking you down. I am going to destroy your family, and you can't do a thing about it. Listen, you're going you're gonna to just sit there and take that and say, Man, you're right. It's hopeless. Are you going to be like David did and say, man, I am going to cut your head off. I'm going to stab you. And that sounds violent, but listen, I don't mind getting that way when I'm dealing with the devil. I don't talk nice to the devil. All right. And so David, he's facing the giant and he just keeps throwing it back. But look, check it out. You're familiar with this. So as you know, Israel, they're at war with the Philistines. The Philistines are punking them around, man. They're picking on them, thumbing them down. They, they, in fact, they... One of the sneakiest things they did, they, they captured all the blacksmiths out of Israel so they couldn't make weapons anymore. They didn't have shields or body armor. I mean, they're just genius. They get all the, the steel workers and, and they're just shutting them down. So the Israelites, 
every day, man, they, they, they face this giant named Goliath. He's over nine feet tall. He comes out. And, and this isn't, you know, he's not some clumsy, tall guy. You know what I mean? Some, a lot of really tall guys are tripping over their feet. Goliath wasn't that guy. Okay? He was agile, and he was a fighting machine, and he was nine feet of muscle. And so he comes out every day. All right. Come on. Whichever one of you girls wants to step up first. I'm, you know, he, every day, he comes out trash-talking. It says he cursed them in the names of his gods. And every day he came out and he defied the God of Israel. All right, you got a God, I'll take him too. Who wants, who wants some? And the Israelites, these grown men, every day, they're cowering, shaking, oh my, oh my God, uh, we can't take it. And they're hiding. And so one day, this teenage boy rolls up to give his brothers, bring him some lunch out on the battlefield. And David, okay, he may not have been, you know, the strongest but this one thing he had, you're not going to talk about my God like that. I don't care who you are, how big you are. You talk about my God, we're going to have some issues. And so he shows up on the battlefield. Look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. So David rolls up with his brothers, and they're all afraid. He says, hey, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. He's talking to the king here. He says, listen, I know all your guys, your whole army's afraid. I'm not technically in the army, but don't worry, I'll go fight him. Don't worry, you'll go fight him. Don't worry. Yeah, this looks like the perfect time to worry, Dave. This guy's out here threatening us and making fun of us. And we can't do a thing about it. He's like, no, don't worry. I got this. I'll go find him. And look at this, verse 32. Check out what the 33. The king says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he has been a man of war since his youth. So David's a teenage kid here. He has no experience in war whatsoever. So listen, he may not have had experience, but he had God. And in life, you're going to face problems that you don't have the experience to handle. But don't back down because God is on your side. Never say, well, I've, I've never faced, I don't know what I'm going to, I've never seen nothing like this, man. I, I don't, listen, God is on your side. David had never killed a giant before he faced Goliath. There's always a first time for everything. Maybe you haven't beat, you know, this disease. Maybe you haven't beat this situation before. But guess what? There's got to be a first time. And I say, this is it right here. This is your chance for one amazing testimony. Because everybody else, they saw an absolute chance for disaster. But David saw an absolute chance for the biggest miracle in history. Listen, he saw this giant as, man, check this out. If I can beat this giant, and I know I will, everyone is going to be afraid of us. I'm going to beat a giant. This is awesome. This is the biggest opportunity of my life. Yes. Yes, a giant. And everybody else is saying, oh, no, giant. Oh, no. And this fool's back there. Yes, a giant. Thank you, Lord. Woo. And he, he's like, this is it. Man, thank you, Lord. And how do you see your situation? Do you see it as your final downfall or do you see it as the biggest opportunity for the biggest miracle and testimony in the world? 
Do you see it as opportunity? Because listen, if you're facing something big, you can take that all over the world and tell people, man, well, guess what? God healed me of this. God did this for me. You know, you're facing it. God brought me out. Do you realize what your testimony can do for people if you'll just stand up, speak to the giant, fight, and win this thing? If you're in it, you can win it. And you've got to just stand up and not quit. And so everybody else, they're, they're giving up. They're, they're getting ready to back down. But David had faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. It wasn't written yet, but David had it. He's like, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. This can happen, and this will happen. God is on my side. So he wasn't looking at himself. He was looking to God. He didn't say, this is my battle, this is my chance to shine. No, and we'll see in a little bit. He said, this is the Lord's battle. The battle is the Lord's. And you've got to remind yourself of that. The battle is the Lord's. I want you to say that with me. The battle is the Lord's. Quit making it all about you. Quit making it your fight. Quit trying to figure it out. You can't do it. God can. You've got to put this in His hands. The battle is the Lord's. And so anytime you start to take your focus off God, your faith is in something else. You're believing the situation more than you're believing God. And Jesus said, trust me, have faith in God. Not put your mind to it and you can do anything. No, have faith in God. And so point number two is this. Okay, you got to have faith in God. Number two, then you've got to speak to the mountain. And you're thinking, well, that sounds I'm speaking to the mountain. You're nuts, man. Listen, hey, it's in the Bible, and it has worked countless times in my life. So you're too late to tell me that I, I can't go speak to problems because I've done it, and it's worked, and I'm sorry. Okay? This is in the Bible, and it works for me, and that's all I need. In the Bible, and boom, that, and, and it works for me. So this has worked so many times in my life. Okay, when I was faced, uh, you, know, you know, three and a half years old, you know, I was facing leukemia and crippled. Man, I was dying in a children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, you know, my parents, they, they could have gone any direction with this, but they spoke to the mountain. People thought they were crazy. I mean, people thought they were nuts. You know what, man, what, you don't realize what's going on here. Why aren't you crying? What's your problem? What's, you know, what, what's wrong with you? But man, they went into fight mode for my life. And I'm so glad they did. They would, and you know, they would stand in front of that hospital door. And if someone came that was not there in faith, if somebody came to give their condolences or feel sorry for little David, they'd kick him out. You're like, well, that sounds mean. They drove all that way to visit. I mean... Yeah, whatever. No, they, they were like, I, I appreciate you coming. We can go visit out there. You're not seeing the kid. You don't, you don't have faith that he's going to be here. We can't let you in here right now. And, and they stood up to it. They spoke words of faith every single day. And it looked like it was getting worse. And sometimes, you know, we're speaking to that giant and it's, things look like they're getting worse. Well, do you just give up and say, man, I guess it's not working I really thought I was going to try this out, but it's not working. No, you sit there and the giant yells back at you, you yell back. It yells back at you, you yell back and say, no, the battle is the Lord's. You're going down and it's going to be amazing when you fall and I'm going to cut your head off. And that's what David said. 
And listen, it happened eventually. It eventually happened. One night, they take my blood test, full of leukemia. The next morning, with I mean, eight hours later, they wake up, they start, well, first of all, I'm on a hospital bed, crippled, can't, haven't walked for months, laying there dying, whatever. And so one day, the doctors come in, you know, they're going to give me some shot, take some blood, give me another spinal tap, still got scars on my back from those beautiful things. But, but so they, they go, and, and they're getting ready to test me out. God's honest truth, you know. Uh, I jump up off the bed. I haven't walked in months. And I, I remember this. I was little, but I remember something. I couldn't see anything. Someone literally picked me up off of this bed, tossed me on the ground, and I took off running. I mean, running back and forth. And they say I, and I danced. I mean, you ever seen a white guy dance? It's not pretty, but, but I did it. And so, I mean, I'm back and forth. And they said I, for like six hours, they couldn't stop me. And the doctor's like, what's going on? And they're running tests and scans and, and all this stuff. And, and because they were so surprised, when they finally got me to stop, they took my blood, uh, 100% gone and healed. And, uh, and, I, and I've been tested every year, and it's never come back. And so um, that was 1988. And, uh, yeah, it's never come back. And I've been healed ever since. And they said, uh, we, you know, you got brand new blood. I mean, it, it's impossible for uh, brand new blood cells to, you know, be fully matured in eight hours. But it, it did. And it happened. And, and the reason that it happened isn't because I just got lucky and God felt sorry. I mean, if God feeling sorry for you is all it took, then everybody would, you know, no one would have any problems. Because God loves everybody the same. You know, he doesn't have any favorites, but they, they stood up and they spoke the word. And, and they didn't let people feel sorry for me. And, and I, I appreciate it. And I've said it many times, but another side effect was they said due to the nature of the treatments that, uh, that I had received that I probably wouldn't be able to have children. And, of course, you know, I've said it before, but uh, we've been very fruitful in this life. And, uh, in fact, we'll have another baby boy probably by the end of this week. So, anyway, uh, yeah, it was a complete and total healing. And, you know, the testimony continues to this day. But check it out. I, I mean, I'll tell that every day of my life if I have to. Why? Because we beat a giant. We beat a mountain. You know, if I had beat a, a cough or a cold, praise God, but I know this is going to sound really politically incorrect, but, you, you know, there's not a lot of glory in beating up a midget. You know what I mean? I, we beat a giant. And, yeah, I'm going to talk about that, and we're going to give thanks to God every day, man, because we won because of Jesus. And so have faith in God and speak to the mountain. Let's look at verse 23, Mark 11:23. Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever, who, who is whosoever? Anybody, man. And so some people say, well, no, I was just speaking to the 12 disciples there. Well, how come in, in John chapter 3, verse 16, was he just speaking to the disciples? Right? Was he just speaking to Nicodemus? Well, in that same verse, he said, you know, for whosoever. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If whosoever means everybody in John 3, 16, then whosoever means whosoever in Mark eleven twenty three. right? All right. So, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so the second line there says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, you have every right to drag. I mean, pray every day, pray about everything, but you have every right to speak to the mountains in your life. And now this is a concept that I believe about 99% of Christians don't get or don't understand. And that's what kind of differentiates our church from a lot of other churches. We're a spirit-filled Pentecostal church. I mean, we're crazy and wild just, you know, like everybody else. But we really believe this stuff. Why? Because it's in the Bible and because it has worked so many times in my life, man. And I'm not joking. I have so many testimonies of applying these verses and God miraculously coming through every single time. All right? So the question is this, though. Who are you? Why can you speak to a situation? Why can we speak to a situation? What gives us that right? Well, because we have authority. You don't have power. You have authority in Jesus' name. Jesus gave us the authority to use his name. Now, you don't, pers- you don't personally possess the power, but you have the authority to access the power in the name of Jesus. Now, you know, we've used this example many times, but, you know, it's easy to kind of explain it like this. You know, imagine uh, we've got a, a police officer standing in the road, you know, directing traffic, okay? Say it's just, you know, a little, someone about normal size, five foot, 100 pounds, whatever, okay? And so she's standing there, and here comes a big, booming 18-wheeler. I mean, if we're just dealing with power here, that thing could crush her. She does not have the power to stop that thing. But she does have the authority. All she has to do with that badge is just go... Just raise her hand, and that powerful machine has to come to a stop. Why? Because she's so strong? No, because she has the authority from a higher power, the state. If that guy breaks this law, that guy doesn't listen, he's going to answer to the state of California, and they're going to come down on your heart. And so, again, you don't have the power to stop the devil. You don't have the power to stop anyone. But in the name of Jesus, you have the authority to say, stop in the name of Jesus. You are not coming into this house. Let go of my son. Let go of my daughter. Get out. You're not coming in here. You have the authority. Just raise your hands and give thanks to God and use his name. And listen to me. That's all it is. It's the authority. So quit trying to figure it all out. How am I going to do this? You're not going to do it. Jesus is going to do it. And you're going to use his name to get the job done. And so uh, one of my favorite areas, okay, I'm going to ask you once again, hold your place in 1 Samuel. I know, get some bookmarks or something, but you're holding your place in Mark 11 and 1 Samuel 17. Now we're going to look at Luke 10, verses 17 through 19. Now this is some of my absolute just favorite verses right here. Luke 10, verses 17 through 19. And check this out. If you can, I'm telling you today, if, if you can get this, if you'll listen and receive it with your heart, this can change your life. It absolutely change your life. It's uh, this teaching and, of course, Jesus 
is the reason why, why I'm here today. I mean, I, there's a lot of little kids I knew in that hospital that didn't make it out, and I feel absolutely terrible about that. But listen, I, I can't answer for everybody else. All I can say is, it worked. God healed me. It worked. So, Luke 10, verses 17 through 19. So, you got to get this one day. Jesus sends out 72 disciples. Says, listen, go out, heal the sick, cast the devils out in my name, come back. And so, they go out and they're like, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll do it. But look at this. Luke 10, verse 17. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And of course, once again, they're surprised like, oh my gosh, wow, I didn't, I didn't think it would actually work. Even the devil has to obey us when we use your name, Jesus. And Jesus, again, he's not surprised. He's not impressed. He expected it to happen. But look at this. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And you know that God kicked Satan out of heaven. Lucifer, he's up there. He tries to come up against God. God kicks his butt so hard out of heaven, it looks like a lightning bolt. Whoa, what was that? And so God didn't, you know, again, God didn't say, hey, Lucifer, I'm going to kind of have to ask you to leave. You're offending some of the angels. Can you just... No, he grabs him and he throws him out. And Jesus says, I was there. He fell like lightning, man. Boom. He threw him out. And so Jesus is not surprised at all that the devil obeys the name of Jesus. He's like, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But look at this, verse 19. This is where it gets good. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. So how much authority do you have over the devil? What what do you have authority over? All the power of the enemy. Hey, I'd be glad if Jesus said, man, listen, I like you. I'm going to give you authority over 25% of what the devil's doing. I mean, I'd be like, okay, that's pretty good. I'll take 25. But no, he said, I have given you authority over all the works of the devil. So too often, though, some people, something comes in their life and they, well, is this, you know, do, do I want to speak to this? Is this maybe this God? Maybe God brought this on me. Maybe you get a little sickness here to uh, teach me something, maybe humble me a little bit. Well, I absolutely don't believe for one second that God would make somebody sick. All right? Why would Jesus pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven? We know from Revelation there's no sickness in heaven. So why would Jesus say, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, when there's nobody sick in heaven? Jesus is not making people sick up there. And so I know for sure that he's not going to say, Well, Mike's been a bad boy. Just give him a little bronchitis. Teach him. Run his mouth. Maybe you give him a little bit of that. No, it's not going to happen. And so, so many times, people are like, man, well, is, I don't know, maybe this is from God. Maybe, maybe God is splitting my family. Maybe God, maybe God is, you know, maybe God caused me to get fired. Maybe God caused me to lose my job. Maybe, maybe. listen, do you want to know how you can tell if God did it or not? I, that's fine, I won't tell you. It's, it's cool. Oh, you do? Okay, all right, because some of you are like, 
No, no fall asleep today. This is your day to get victory if you'll stay awake, all right? So, how you can tell if it's from God or not is this. John 10.10, write this down, okay? John 10.10, Jesus himself said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life, and life more abundantly. And so if there is something in your life that is stealing, killing, or destroying, it's not from, it's not from Jesus. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. And so if something is stealing your peace, stealing your joy, stealing your household, stealing your money, stealing your health, killing you, listen, that's not from God. You have every right in the world and you have the authority over all the works of the devil. If it meets the criteria of those three things, you have authority to stand up and say, this is from the devil and I am not going to receive this. In the name of Jesus, no. And you get rid of it, man. Cast it out. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do. He said, man, I gave you authority over all the works of the devil. Just go out and use my name, man. You have free access to use my name. If it's from the devil, I don't want it in your life. Use my name. Tell them Jesus sent you, and they'll get out of your way. All right? So... That's what's going on here. And you've got to know that God's word never fails. So if you speak it, you're not going to fail. God's word never fails. You can write this. Isaiah 55:11 says, my, I send out my word and it does not return unto me void. It accomplishes everything I want it to do. You speak the word of God, man. Find some scriptures that you've got to have some bullets in your gun. All right, you got to know some stuff. You got to you got to know some scriptures for what you're facing, and you got to you speak those things out every single day, every single day. And so let's get back to David and Goliath here. Back to First Samuel 17. Back to First Samuel 17, and we're going to look at verses 41 through 47. So let's get to the good part of the story here. 1 Samuel 17, check out verse 41. And so we've already known that David has talked Saul into going. He's like, fine, go, good luck. We'll come scoop you up in a few minutes. Get the shovels, dig the grave. He's going to die. This kid's going to get murdered out there. And he he just thinks David's dead. But David convinces him. And so 1 Samuel 17 Verse 41, here comes the showdown. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Did you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Uh Uh-oh. Wrong thing to do. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. And I'm guessing he had a big, booming voice. He's like, come on, boy, you want some? And he's yelling. And, of course, all those soldiers, they're like, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. They're, they're shaking in their boots like little pansies. But David's saying, oh, yes, woo, he's getting fired up. And so David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God 
of the armies of Israel who you have defied. He's like, you've been talking about my God and he ain't happy. He's mad. You're making fun of me for carrying a stick. You're carrying a javelin and a spear. Oh my gosh, this is going to get ugly. And so David, he's just, he's bringing it right back. And so I'm telling you, sometimes the situation, it starts talking to you. Am I the only one where fear tries to wake you up at night? Say, hey, guess what? I'm still here. I'm going to kill you. Killing your kids. Here I come. Not Not a thing you can do about it. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to steal every penny you've got. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your family. I am coming at you hard. Oh, and, and I mean, so many people, they toss and turn at night just listening to this, this giant poking them in the chest, speaking fear into their lives. And they don't know what to do. Oh, oh help me. Oh, and they don't know what to do. Listen, call in the name of the Lord, of course. But you've got to get some fight in you, man. You've got to get some gumption. You've got to get a little angry sometimes. You've got to stand up and face down the giant. And so this giant is throwing it at David. Man, oh, I'm going to feed you to the birds. Oh, you are going to, this is going to be a disaster, man. You're going down. It's going to be ugly. Your brothers are here to see this. Oh, and he's just talking to him, and David's not having it. He's like, oh, man, I, I'm coming at you in the name of God. And so he starts coming back. Verse 46, David says, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. And then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your whole men, of your men, to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. You think David was whispering this stuff, saying, Goliath, God's going to give you to us. He's going to kill you, man. He's going to cut your head off, man. No, he is yelling this stuff. I mean, he's a teenager. His voice is probably squeaking. And, you know, I mean, he's got one hair on his chin. And he's just, come on, man. You know, whatever. He's just giving it to him, everything he's got. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this fool. Oh, this is, now we're going to look even worse. Got a dead kid on our hands. Oh, my God. Then David, he's out there just going toe-to-toe with this guy, yelling, today you're dying. You will not see sunset today. You are going to die. I am going to cut your head off. And guess what? I'm not stopping with you, Bubba. I'm going after all your men. We're going to chase them down and kill them. And again, you're like, man, the Bible's violent. Yeah, it is. But hey, I'm a dude. I'm into this stuff. I don't mind an action movie every now and then. And so he's, he, he's just going back and forth, back and forth. When, and, and so many people, would they just sit there and listen to this. But you don't have to. David was talking back, not on his own behalf, but he said it in the name of the Lord. Hey, I'm not fighting you. This is the Lord's battle. I'm out here as his representative, but this is the Lord's battle. We're going to kill you, and we're going to do it in the name of the Lord. I'm coming at you, man. And so he had this confidence. You've got to have confidence. Well, how do I have that? Have faith in God. 
Jesus saying, just trust me, man. Use my name. Go out there. Tell him I sent you. And you have authority over all the works of the devil if you'll just stand up and fight. Just go out there and use my name. I'm telling you, just do it. It works. And so what David did was what you have to do. You need to start announcing the outcome in the middle of the battle. This is what David did. I don't care what you're, what you're facing. Start announcing the outcome in the middle of the battle. I mean, it may be halftime and you're down by 20. Start saying, oh, we're going to win. We're going to win big. We're going to mop the court with you, man. Oh, we're going we're gonna to dominate. We are going to win. Yes, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to beat this disease. We're going to beat this situation. God supplies all my needs. Yes, I have the money that I need. Yes. And, and people are like, dude, it looks like you're going down, man. I don't know what your problem is, bro. But listen, start announcing the outcome right in the middle of the fight. And I mean, people think you're nuts. That is totally fine. Listen, you need to get okay with people thinking you're crazy. If you care what people think about you, you're not going to make it real far. You're going to be one of those in church. Then someone sees you. Oh, that wasn't me. Now, listen, you got to quit, just quit caring what people think about you. Because if you care more about what people think of you than what God thinks about you, or than what, you know, than what, what the problem is saying, listen, you've got to get over yourself. Is it your battle or is it God's? I mean, if it's your battle, then just do it your own. I don't care. You're on your own, man. But, but if it's the Lord's battle, raise your hands. Praise Him. Give Him glory. Don't care what people think. Speak to the giant. And it's okay to say, I'm going to win. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care. What, I mean, I understand what they said. That's fine. That's cool. That's fine. I'm not worried. I am going to win, and I'm going to win big. And I don't care what anybody says. That's fine, man. I am going to overcome because thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2.14. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Ephesians or Philippians 4.13. Amen. You've got to get some verses and be able to speak them out. Ephesians 6.10, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You've got to get some verses, man, and you've got to be able to shoot these things off any time the devil shows up. I don't just sit there and take it. I mean, I, he knocks on my door. I answer with both barrels blazing, okay? I, I'm serious. Speaking the word of God. And you've got to get to this place in your life where you speak the word. So have faith in God and then speak to the mountain. I heard Bill Winston say, if you've got guts enough to say it, God's got power enough to do it. If you've got guts enough to say it, if you've got the courage to step up and say, no, I'm going to win, God's got the power to make it happen. If you're using his name, amen. And so that brings us to number three here. Number one, have faith in God. Number two, speak to the mountains. And then number three, Believe that the things you said will come to pass. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. And then believe that the things you said will come to pass. You've got to have all these components to this. All right? 
You know, it takes all the ingredients. Sometimes, you know, you may make a cake or something like, well, I left out the vanilla or I left out the sugar. I mean, it may seem like one thing, but it's a big deal. And so you've got to have faith in God. You've got to speak to the mountain, but you've got to have this. You've got to believe that the things you said will come to pass. All right, that's Mark eleven twenty three. Let's just for kicks, put it up there. Let's read it again. It said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. You've got to believe that the things will come to pass. Now, a lot of people may hear a sermon like this or stumble across some of these verses and well, I'll, I'll try this and see what happens. And so they speak to the mountain. And then, you know, by the next day, if nothing's changed, like I knew it. This stuff doesn't work, man. I, just, I, I knew it. I shouldn't even try it. Now I feel like a fool. Listen to me. Most battles are not instant victories. Sometimes, hey, sometimes they are. And it's awesome. You know, that's, that's up to God, okay? You know, I mean, sometimes he'll just instantly come in and boom. And that's awesome. And I love the times that that happens. But a whole lot of the time, you have to fight the good fight of faith. And so if you think that just doing something one time is going to fix everything, I mean, listen, it's going to take more than that. You've got to stay in the fight. The, the giant's going to yell back, and you've you got to answer back, man. you got, no, 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 I'm winning. I don't care. I'm winning. Try your best. It's not going to be enough. I'm not giving up. You're, one of us is going to have to give up, and it's not going to be me. I am winning this fight in the name of Jesus. And so, so many people, though, they try it a day or two. Eh, well, then they give up. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. What does Galatians 6 tells us? You, if you will not grow weary and well-doing, you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Don't give up. Well, when is due season? I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know that due season is real. It does exist. And when you experience that due season, when the day finally comes and the giant falls and you're at the top of that mountain, when that day comes... There is no greater day to be able to look and say, I knew it. I knew it. Everybody else said it wouldn't happen, but I knew it. Thank you, Jesus. It happened. That mountain's at the bottom of the sea now. I'm healed. My family's together. I am so glad that I didn't give up when people told me to. Let every man be a liar, but God true. Amen. And so, listen, don't give up my parents they spoke the word listen i got worse for a while i got worse i started losing my vision i got i looked like i was getting worse but they said no no i whose report are we going to believe we're going to believe god's report here's the doctor's report we acknowledge that this is going on i mean we're not we're not in denial this is happening but listen that's not the final report We've read the end of the book. And it says, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of our testimony, we are not giving up. He is healed. Our son's healed. Doesn't look like it, but he is healed. We're going to win this thing. And that day happened. And yeah, a lot of people were surprised. And a lot of people didn't believe it. Like, well, you know, I mean, hey, it's... They're taken back, though. These things usually come back. These, I don't know, man. It's, that's great. That's a cool story. And, and, but listen, no. 
we said, that, no, it happened. Final report. This is it. Never, I'm, I'm done. I'm healed forever. And again, it's been like I don't, 27 years or something, and I'm still healed. Because the word of God works, all right? And so you've got to believe that the things you say will come to pass. Don't just try it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't try this faith thing. Make the decision to do it and live by it because the having comes after the saying. So many people are like, well, okay, I'll, yeah, when I see it, I'll believe it and then I'll start saying it. And I'll give God glory then. No. You've got to be willing to give God glory before the mountain ever falls. You've got to be willing to raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus, for victory. I thank you right now. The mountain's still there, but I thank you, Jesus. I am so confident that I will praise you right now. And don't be that guy that says, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it when I see it. When I Listen, that's not faith. Don't do that. You've got to believe before you even see anything. So keep speaking words of faith until the very end. And like I said, sometimes it takes a while, but God's word will always work. Sometimes it does take a while, but God's word will always work. I'll give you a few verses here to write down and look at. And I, you should look at these. But Hebrews 10.23, this is a verse that I read every day. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Hold fast. What does hold fast mean? It means keep doing it. Keep confessing the faith every day without wavering, for he's faithful who promised. Another great verse that you need to know, Hebrews 6.12, it says, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Faith and patience. You've got to have both, faith and patience. And so I'm, why am I telling you all this stuff? Why am I dragging this on? Because I want you to know that sometimes it takes a little while, but that doesn't mean it's not working. That doesn't mean it's not happening. It's happening. You know, you go to the, do- you go to the doctor, he gives you some medicine. He says, okay, this here, you're going to take two a day for seven days. Finish the whole thing. And you go home, you pop one in. The next day, you still, I still feel sick. Sick, man, this stuff doesn't work. I knew it. This doesn't work. And listen, it's starting to work. Okay, it's, you got to keep doing it, even if it doesn't seem like it is. It just it takes some time, man. Give it the chance and give it the chance to work. Don't just take one when the doctor specifically told you take seven, you know, seven days to a day. Do it to the end. You have to do this for it to work. Keep doing it. Well, what does the Bible say? It doesn't specifically say speak 14 verses a day for 28 days. And no, it just says keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful to promise. Through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Just don't give up, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Just keep doing it until that day comes. So, be consistent. Be faithful. Don't give up. Don't be that person that gives up when your miracle was right around the corner and you gave up. You've been speaking to it for a long time, and you finally give up, and it was right around that last little hill. You were almost to the top, and you gave up. Why? Don't be that person. So I'm going to show you one quick story here from Jesus, all right? John chapter 4, verses 49 through 53. John chapter 4, verses 49 through 53. Now, are you, are you getting this today? Are you understanding what I'm trying to say here, John chapter 4, 
verses 49 through 53. And so, as I said, a lot of times Jesus would pray about the situation, but a whole lot of the time he would just simply speak and say the word. All right, so John 4, verses 49 through 53. This is a story of of a a noble person, so probably a, a politician or someone. But chapter 4, verse 49, it says, The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. This guy's kid was dying, and Jesus says, oh, I'll get over there, but look at this. He says, you've got to come now. My kid's going to die. Jesus said to him, go, go your way. Your son lives. So what happens next? So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. He could have said, no, you need to lay hands on him. You need to get down and pray, Jesus. No, you need to come to my house. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. He said, go. It's done. He's healed. Just go. And it says, the man believed the word that was spoken. This goes along with Mark eleven twenty three. Believe that the things that have been said will come to pass. But so the man actually believed it. So what do you think happened? It says, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, no, yesterday, the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus told him, your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. When you get the victory, listen, that is an absolute just invitation to believe for all kinds of people. When you knock that giant down, when you're standing at the top of the mountain, and you tell your unbelieving family and friends, they're going to, okay, okay. I've got to admit, there's something to this, because I know what was happening to you, and now you're all better. I mean, okay, I believe. And that's what happened to this man. His whole family believed. Okay, I get it. All right, there's something to this. So, you've got to believe that the things you said will come to pass. Let's finish this out right here, First Samuel 17. Don't you want to see the end of the story with David and Goliath? Don't you want to see the gladiator part? First Samuel 17, let's check this out. Here's where it gets really, really good. I like a happy ending. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 48. So we've seen the talking back and forth. We've seen the confidence of David. We've seen him say, no, not today. The battle's the Lord's. You're going down. Verse 48. They're getting ready to do this thing. It says this. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. And so, I mean, can you imagine, I think everyone's thinking, David's like, okay, here I come. Well, slowly walking, maybe hiding behind rocks, you know, going in command. No, David, he sees him, he's like, here we go. He starts running out there to the battlefield saying, yes, the day that I have been waiting for, I get to kill a giant. And he, I love that, that he ran to the battlefield. Nobody had to say, go, David, you said you'd do it. Come on, go, don't back out now. No, he stinking ran out there to meet this giant and fight this guy. And so David quickly runs out there, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Boom. 
a two-hit fight. He hit him, he hit the ground. And can you imagine nine feet of muscle just, bam, smashing into the ground? And it would have been good enough, okay? David could have said, all right, told everybody. But David made a promise. He said, no, no, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to have a trophy out of this thing. I'm going to carry your head through the streets, bro. And so David kept his word. But to just rub salt in the wound even more and scare the men, David gets Goliath's sword. And he does it. So you can conquer the mountain and climb it, or you can toss it into the sea. And I'm telling you, I just want to conquer it and get rid of it, man. And so check this out. Verse 40, uh, where are we at? Verse 49. Or verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, because he didn't have a sword. But then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And as you know, David, I mean, again, this is so gory, but, man, he takes it back to town saying, Hey, what's up? I told you. Look at this. Got me a head. And, and listen, I mean, can you imagine it's all the things he were saying? Two heads are better than one. But he's a teenager's of kind of honor, so I don't know. I, you know, thank God there wasn't social media back then. Can you imagine? It's the dumb stuff. Anyway. So, but, but check it out. He kept his promise. Goliath spoke. David spoke louder. He said, the battle is the Lord's. And David wasn't just saying that. He really believed the things that he said would come to pass. And so as we just wrap up this little three-part series we've been doing about controlling your mouth, your mouth can be your worst enemy, can be your best friend. You can use it to destroy your life, or you can get some faith in you. You can get some scriptures in your heart. You can speak those words out and save your life. What is it going to be? But today, my challenge is this. Have faith in God and speak to that mountain and watch what God can do for you. That's how you use your mouth. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together today.